The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I want to ask you three questions this morning. We're going to start with the first one, and that's this. Do you feel the light in your life? You just heard words from the Gospel of John, which states that the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not overwhelm it or extinguish it. The light that the Bible describes in the Gospel of John is Jesus. And Jesus came into the world as light for our lives and nothing that we do or the world can do can extinguish the light that he brings to our lives. But there's a question that you and I have to ask ourselves. As we live our lives, as we go through struggles and we go through difficult times, often we go to one, two, one, or, one or two kind of ideas about God. Either, first of all, he doesn't exist because life is not good. Or secondly, he does exist, but I can't imagine him being good because my life is not good. You and I have to understand something about light. The majority of our life, when we live in light, we're not looking directly at light. We're looking at what light is reflecting off of. We don't get up in the morning and look out our window and try to look directly into the sun, but what we do see is we see trees and grass and buildings and houses and people. And what we, the reason we see them is because light is hitting them and it's reflecting back at us. The same thing is true about the way God works in our life. And some of us are unaware of that reality, and that's this. Through the circumstances of your life, the light of God is reflecting back at you. But sometimes you don't know he's there. Sometimes you don't recognize him. Let me tell you about a woman named Jennifer I met a number of years ago. When I met Jennifer, she was a very unique person, very independent. Her and her husband years earlier had started a very successful business and she was the driving force in the business. And uh, when I got to know her, I, I realized something early on just as I started to meet her. First of all, uh, she had no need for church. Her husband had come to church for years and years and years, but she didn't need that thing. And secondly, I realized other than her husband and her daughter, she needed nobody in her life. Very independent. And after dialoguing with her just a little bit further, I realized something else that she didn't need, someone else she didn't need. She didn't need God in her life, and she made that very clear. She said, the God thing, the church thing, that's my husband's thing. That's not my thing. I don't need that. In the midst of starting to get to know her, a tragedy struck their lives. Her husband, for nearly 30 years, died suddenly of a heart attack. And I remember when Jennifer came and she was sitting down with me and we're talking about this. This is a woman who didn't need anything in her life. She didn't need God, she didn't need people, she didn't need the church. She was at the lowest moment of her life. She was broken. She wasn't that confident person that I had gotten to know. She was someone who was questioning everything about her life and why her husband was gone. So we talked a little bit and that week we planned a, a service for her husband and a lot of people came and honored his life and we talked more and the weeks went on after that and we, we talked a little bit further and something happened and this is one of the things that's interesting for me as a pastor I don't invite people to church and that's weird well it's weird when you ask people to come hear you speak but you know what's not weird is when you invite people to Jesus and so Jennifer and I started dialoguing about something, and I never invited her to church, but three weeks later, she showed up at church. This is the woman who didn't need church, didn't need God, didn't need anybody. And here she was sitting in our services every single week. And through dialogue and through email, we had conversations, and something was happening in her. Before where it was frustration and confusion and bitterness, the tone of her attitude started to change towards God and towards the church. She started realizing there were a group of people that loved her. And then slowly she started to say things to me like, I'm seeing that maybe there possibly could be a God. That was after about three or four months. A couple months go by, and I remember the day where she decided to make a commitment to realize that not only was there a God, but there was a God and his name was Jesus. And she had discovered who he was in her life through a group of people who loved her, through a church that she didn't need, and quite certainly of a God that didn't exist before in her life. And I watched her life after that and watched how this woman who needed nobody now realized that every step of the way in her business, in her life, and in her future marriage to another man, 
needed Jesus every single day of her life and was willing to admit that. What happened to Jennifer? In the darkest moment of her life, she could feel the light. She didn't know it was there because she didn't need Jesus, at least she thought she didn't, until tragedy struck and she began to see around the circumstances of her life the light of God being reflected back to her and that got her to a place where she realized she needed the light of the world. She needed Jesus. So this morning, would you ask yourself the question, as you look at your own life, do you feel the light? Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome holy child, welcome holy to 
came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Second question this morning. Do you know the light? Again, you just heard from the Gospel of John where John records this amazing truth. And that is that Jesus, when he came into the world as the light, he said to those who believe in him, those who accept him, he gives this special privilege, this special right to be called child of God. How in the world can Jesus do that? How in the world can you and I become a child of God? You see, because we come and celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas, but the reality is Jesus was more than just born. He lived and he died and then rose from the dead. It's in his death that this amazing thing occurs, that through Jesus' death, he makes an offer to all human beings. And this is his offer. I will take every point of brokenness and sin and failure in your life, and through my death on the cross, I will take all of that and put it on myself. I will take your debt and put it on my account. And in doing so, when I die on the cross, I will pay the penalty for that and remove it from you so that, here's the exchange, you now become right with God. And then, that's why John writes, those who believed him, those who accepted him, he gives this right. You are a child of God. What does that mean? That means that you are not only known by God, but now as a child of God, you know God. See, the reason you and I feel the light is because God wants us to know the light, and knowing the light is knowing Jesus, because now we've experienced what it means to have light and knowledge and relationship. We finally get what all of us have been longing for, whether you want to admit it or not. You might call yourself a loner, but you know every single human being longs to belong. We do. Four years ago, we had a beautiful little baby boy named Noah that came into our household through the foster care system. I remember when the social worker drove up into our driveway and opened the door, and here's little Noah, just a couple months old, sitting in this huge car seat, way too big for him. And I remember the social worker said, you can pick him up. You can touch him. It's okay. He's not going to break. I'm like, this is our first child into our house through the foster care system. And so we took Noah, and I remember just looking at him and thinking, wow, I remember what it was like to have Courtney and Jordan when they were babies, and now, like, we're responsible again for a little life. But as, as it normally kind of the routine for foster care, what unfolded was normal, and that is that every week there was a, 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 a time where a visit was set up for family, that we would take Noah to the county building, and uh, they would, the social worker would take Noah, and then he would spend an hour or two with his family, and pretty much at that point mom was out of the picture because of some of the circumstances of her life and so it was primarily grandma that he was visiting once a week but each week when we took Noah there was this kind of awkward exchange when we handed Noah over to the social worker and she would then we would never see grandma he would go into a room in a building with grandma and then we would pick him up later and as we talked with the social worker there was kind of this tension from the other side grandma wasn't happy because we were perceived as the enemy the family that was stealing her grandchild so each time that we came, we, we kind of hoped that it would be better this time, but we would hear things through the social worker about how there was tension. And so finally, after a number of months, uh, Grandma had basically qualified herself to take custody of, of Noah. 
So we took Noah back to the county facility and all those belongings and Kim put a little note in his bag. And I remember setting him into a car seat in tears, sending him off to grandma. And in that note, Kim had put her cell phone number and said, hey, if, if, if there's anything that we can do to help you or to help Noah, knowing that grandma pretty much had to leave her life to take Noah into custody. She had to leave her boyfriend, her family to go be with Noah. So sure enough, she calls Kim. And she starts, we start to, a dialogue with her. And then Kim asked her this question. She said, listen, during that time when we were taking Noah to visits and we, we weren't seeing you and, and then we would get him back and knowing there was tension, she said, what would have made a difference to you? And this is what Tina, grandma, said. She said, if I only would have known you. If I would have known who you were and I know the kind of house that Noah was going into, I would have been okay. But I didn't know you. But now that I know you, I feel so much better. See, from that moment on for a full year, Tina and Noah became part of our family. Every family get-together, every holiday, every birthday, even a whole lot in between when Tina, who was really now a single mom as grandma, didn't have a babysitter, Noah was in our household. They were part of our family. Some of you who are part of our church, you know Tina. But a few years ago, they relocated to the East Coast to, to Virginia. We still are in contact with Tina. We still get pictures of Noah. Noah's four years old now. He's running around on some piece of property in Virginia having the time of his life. And Tina misses, we miss Tina, we miss Noah. In fact, Tina listens to our podcast every week. In fact, she knows I'm going to talk about her, ask for permission. She's going, oh, I'm going to be on the podcast. <laughs> we love Tina. And you know what? The, the, everything that made a difference for Tina is that she knew us. And we knew her. We weren't enemies. We were family. And you and I under, have to understand that each one of us longs to have that in our life. But you know what we long more than just people? We long to have that with God because God created us and in each one of us is this desire to be a part of his family, to belong to him, to be fully accepted. And that comes through knowing the light. That comes through knowing Jesus. So would you ponder this second question today? Do you know the light?
So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Last question for us to think about this morning. Are you experiencing the light in your life? Again, you hear from the Gospel of John that writes about Jesus that he came into the world and he made his home among us, which means he became human. He knows what it is to be human. And through the presence of his spirit, he is dwelling among us. It means God is here. And he did that so that he might reveal God to us and ultimately demonstrate to us and underscore to us God is with us. Jesus went through all of this, and this is what's important for us to understand in terms of not just Christmas being the only time we remember Jesus' birth. But throughout the, the year, the reality is this, that God has created every human being to experience a capacity of life that most of us never tap into. In fact, in that same gospel, Jesus in his own words says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest capacity. The only way we have the fullest capacity is through Jesus. There's experience of life that Jesus came not only just to feel the light, to draw us to God so we would know him personally, but there's a dimension of life that God wants us to live. Is it a dimension of life that's free of pain and sorrow and suffering and challenges? No. It's a life that lives in the middle of those, but does it in a way with passion and peace and joy. Three years ago, I met a guy named Jim. And Jim, I only spent 30 minutes of my life and his life. That's all we got together. But the 30 minutes I spent with him changed my life. It changed the way I saw things around me. So Jim and his wife are the parents of five kids. He and his wife, Anna and his kids too, all of them born and raised in the Midwest. And a number of years ago, Jim took a, a trip with an organization, a ministry that was working in South Central Los Angeles in the midst of the projects. And he was working primarily with single moms and dealing with the challenges that they face. And it was during a trip that he had taken from his Midwest safe, comfortable, easy life into a very difficult context in South Central Los Angeles that God spoke to him. And God said to Jim, I want you to take your family and I want you to move them from your comfortable, easy, safe environment in the Midwest to South Central Los Angeles to serve the people. And Jim was telling me the story. He goes, and I said, yes. And I'm like, well, what does your wife say? <laughs> he said, she said, yes. I said, how about your kids? He said, they all wholeheartedly said yes. So they moved into the neighborhood, literally, and lived next to Nickerson Gardens down in South Central Los Angeles and worked with single moms. And as we were talking about this, I'm just... I'm amazed, and, and what caught me was not just what he was saying, but it was how he was saying it, and his son, too, his teenage son, who literally had given up all his friends, everything was familiar, now he's living in the midst of the place where he, he's definitely the minority, he feels like he, he's on the outside looking in of culture, and both of them, as they're sharing this, they're like ready to explode with emotion because they're so excited and passionate about what they're doing. And I remember listening to him tell his stories of what was going on. And I, and I will be honest with you, I thought for a moment, I, thought, I'm, I am so jealous of Jim. Because I live in Simi Valley, the safest city in the world. And there are moments in my life, I don't have that passion. I don't have that joy. I don't have what he has. And does it mean that I need to move to South Central Los Angeles to have what, his, have what he has? No, but I realized something. You know what Jim realized? That whatever he did and wherever he went... God was with him. 
He told me about when they go to bed almost every night, they hear gunshots. Every day, and in fact, I was down in that area working with the ministry when I met Jim for five hours. I counted five helicopters circling around to find out what was going on, on the ground. It felt like a war zone. He said, but we're in the midst of this. And he goes, I couldn't be happier. I thought, I want what he has. <laughs> what did he have? He had the knowledge and the understanding, the experience that God was actually with him. You don't have to move to South Central Los Angeles to do what Jim and his family did to experience that kind of life. What you have to do is realize your life is not about you. Your life is about the life that God has created for you to live that is the fullest capacity of what he's created human beings to be, which means there's another dimension. It's great to know Jesus, and it's great for eternity. We will know the Father, but Jesus didn't come to feel the light and know the light. He didn't come just for those. He came so that you and I would experience life before we die. But that means you and I have to be willing to surrender to the light, to willing to embrace that life. Today, Jesus comes to do that. There's a dimension of life that he wants you to experience. So would you ponder this? When you look at your life and the life that you live today, are you experiencing the light of Jesus in you and through you? Feel free to stand if you'd like. As we sing this song, I want to teach you the chorus. It goes like this. Oh, here's the angel forces. Sing, come, let us
We're going to light candles together, but before we do that, I'm going to pray. And the reason I'm going to pray is I think it's important for us to, to have a moment where we seal the things that we've just heard. And I, I, I want you to hear me. Sometimes when you come to a Christmas service or an Easter service, if you're not a churchgoer, you might feel a little bit of like a bait and switch. All right, my family dragged me here. I'm just doing it for them. Some guy's going to get up there and tell me that I need Jesus which I really don't, and I'm just going to kind of sit here and wait till it's over so I can go do what I really want to do. I'm going to ask you right where you're at before I pray, I'm going to ask you to have a very honest moment of self-reflection because the Jesus that I know, the way that God works in the world is he never does anything by accident, and there are no accidents. There's only God's purpose in our life. Now, we don't see fully what that looks like on our side, but God sees fully what it's supposed to look like on his side. So the fact that you're sitting here this morning is not an accident because God is wanting to speak to you. In fact, God's already been speaking to you because there's circumstances in your life right now that you can't make sense of. There's something in you that's stirring and you don't know what it is. But you know what's happening is you're actually feeling the light of God in your life, but you just don't know it yet. And the reason that you're feeling that stirring and it could come in discomfort or a difficult season, just like it came for Jennifer when she lost her husband, that was the start of her journey towards Jesus. And for you today, you might say, well, why do I have this in my life? Why do I have cancer? Why do I have a disease? Why did I use, lose a loved one? Why do I struggle in life? I know one thing for sure, that's part of the human condition, but part of that is God is working in the midst of your suffering and your trials to get your attention. Because he wants you to know him. He already knows you. He created you. But he wants you to know him in a way that brings life to you. And the way that you come to know Jesus is that you don't have to earn anything. You don't have to get your act together. You don't have to put your life in pristine condition and then give yourself to Jesus. You come as you are, but you need to understand this thing called salvation is a free gift, but it'll cost you everything. Because what Jesus wants is your life. Not as a sacrifice, like on the cross, like he gave. He wants your life so that he can restore it and redeem it and renew it and make it to the full capacity of what he created you for. Because there is an experience in life that many of us never, ever reach. And that is a life that realizes that God is with me. He lives in me by his spirit. He's forgiven me for my sin through what Jesus did on the cross. So I no longer live in guilt or shame but I am free to now live the life God created me to live. And if that's something that you've yet to experience, today's the opportunity for you to start that journey, to start that reality. Does it mean that if you give your life to Jesus, all of your problems will disappear? No. It means you will be able to live in the midst of brokenness and challenges and pain and have joy and have peace and have passion because God is with you. So I'm gonna pray in a moment. As I pray, I'm gonna just ask you in your own words, even in your own mind, you pray along with me. And you direct your prayers towards God because I, I guarantee you, He hears you this morning. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we are overwhelmed with your love for us. That from the beginning of time, you and the Father had a plan knowing that we as human beings would sin and we would fail. And that you would have to come and you would have to do something on our behalf to make it right so that we could be right with God, that we could be in relationship with God. And so, Lord, in, an hon in our honesty right now, we know that whether we know you or we don't, all of us can look at things in our life and see that's the reflection of your light in our life. You're trying to get our attention. So whatever it might be for each person, Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to reflect your light back into our lives. But Lord, we've come to this place now where we, we don't just want to see the reflection of light. We want to know you. We want to know you as the light of our life that comes into the world. And then through that knowledge that we would be able to be called children of God. We want to know you like you know us. We want to know everything about you. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to belong to you so that you might answer to the deepest needs of our lives. 
so that, Lord, ultimately we want to live the life that when you put us together in our mother's wombs, you had purpose in mind, you had intent in mind, you had life in mind that, Lord, all of us might be able to experience through feeling your light and knowing your light, being able to experience the fullness of what life is like, to be able to live a life knowing that you are with us. So Jesus, would you come now as we give our lives to you, as we surrender to you, would you come now and would you bring your light to bear on our lives so, Lord, knowing that your light has come, that now we would experience the fullness of what that means and what you purpose for each one of us. We thank you, Jesus, for your work in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, you should have received a candle on your way in today. If you, if you didn't, even if, though it's dark in this room, you can kind of wave your hand and make sure the ushers see you and make sure you get a candle. So in a moment, we're going to light candles. And so if you have a, 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 ch- a young child with you, and I'm, this is your judgment as a parent is to their ability to hire, handle live flame. So you're taking your life into your hands. Please don't like that the lives of other people around you. So but what we're going to do in a moment is, is, is very significant. There's a lot of things that we do that we would say are symbolic. One of those things is communion, where we would receive bread and a cup, which in and of themselves have, have nothing special about them except for the fact that they are symbolically pointing to something greater than them, Jesus' death on the cross. So when we light a candle in a dark space like this, what we are doing is this is symbolic of what it means for Jesus, the light of the world, to come into our world to take what's dark and confusing and difficult and bring light that shines around us that not only is a light for us, but it's a light for everybody else. So in a few moments, I'm gonna light a, a, some, some special candle lighters. Those who were reading earlier are gonna light their candles and then they're gonna go to sections and then the light's just gonna come down each row. You don't need to worry about getting up to give it to anybody else. It's gonna come to you and once you receive the light, then you're gonna give the light. And in doing so, it's a symbolic gesture of being reminded of the fact that God has brought his light into the world to shine into our lives and as well to shine into the lives of everyone around us. So would you go ahead and take that candle? And as we do that, we're going to sing Silent Night together. The team's going to lead us. And then at a certain point, I'll have all of us stand. And then we'll see how the light lights up a dark room. Let's go ahead and sing Silent Night together.
dark is now light. This points to who Jesus is in our life. So just let's just pause for a few moments. Don't worry, the wax won't get you. you are the light of the world, that you've come into the world so that we might see who you are, we might experience the fullness of who God is in our life. And so, Lord, in just a moment, as we leave this place, I pray that although the, the candles will be extinguished, your light will never be extinguished because the darkness cannot extinguish it, that your light would go with us into our lives so that we would truly live out what it is to have a life with God with us in everything that we experience. We thank you, Jesus, for your love for your life, for your light, in your name.